Hello again, my friends. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the Royal Ramble after one hell of a Super Saturday. I'm your host, Blaine the Brain, and I've got two big shows to review. Did you love them? Did you hate them? Was it half and half? Well, I'll be going through my thoughts, and in the immortal words of one of the greatest musicians of our time, Sir Elton John, Saturday night's alright for fighting, so get a little action in. Obviously, I can't sing half as well as he can, but you get the idea. Speaking of ideas, Money in the Bank has really developed into one of the worst wrestling concepts of our lifetime. When you think about it, this gimmick really hasn't produced a star since Seth Rollins in 2015, so in seven years. I'd hate to end this show on a sour note though, so I'll start with a recap of last night's Money in the Bank premium live event from Vegas. Actually, both shows took place in Vegas last night. And it says a lot when the owners of the company were spotted in attendance at the UFC event, but not at their own show. Pretty humorous situation indeed. So let's get into the Money in the Bank PLE, shall we? Wasn't much to say about the kickoff. It was pretty lame as always, and they've really made it seem even more useless as the last few of them haven't even had a match on them. The main show kicked off with the women's Money in the Bank match, and I guess given the theme of the show and the nature of the match concept, it did kind of make sense for one of these matches to open. It was probably one of the few things on this show that actually did make sense. This one featured Becky Lynch, Asuka, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, and Shotzi. And it was a total mess in my opinion. There was just something really off about this match and there were plenty of botches throughout. I guess this is what happens when participants are more focused on high spots rather than psychology or, you know, actually winning the match. They tried to show off Raquel's strength at one point by having her deadlift a ladder with both Becky and Bliss on top of it, but she couldn't balance it, so that didn't end up too well for her or them, and just made everyone involved look pretty foolish. She did make up for it though with a double suplex to Becky and Liv on top of that ladder. Shotzi, who I am a huge fan of, needs to stop being so reckless, especially in matches like these. She's either going to hurt herself or someone else, and we kind of saw evidence of that when she tried to run up a ladder in the corner but ended up losing her balance and falling flat. That sequence looked very awkward. There was another awkward spot which wasn't really the fault of the performers. Basically, Becky set up a ladder bridge from the apron to the announce table and placed Asuka on top of it. She then climbed another ladder and executed a senton off of it, but the ladder Asuka was on didn't break and Becky nearly missed Asuka as well. At this point, this match just wasn't clicking for me at all. Something was way off. The end comes where four people are climbing to the briefcase on two ladders, and Becky basically shoves both ladders over, sending everyone to the floor. Liv Morgan then chases Becky to the briefcase, and as Becky attempts to shove her off too, Liv is able to kick off the top rope and back into position, knocking Becky from her perch, and it's Liv who ends up grabbing the briefcase. This was a bit of a surprise, but the best part here, and pretty well the best part of this entire match, was Becky's reaction afterwards. She was going crazy on the floor. The downside is that the focus was on Becky and not Liv. They then aired the same video from Monday night providing an update on Cody Rhodes following his surgery. Bobby Lashley vs. Theory was up next for the US title, and the crowd was solidly into Lashley. It was funny because I heard people explode with chants of Bobby, but I didn't see anyone's lips moving. Weird. Theory did a great job of playing the cowardly heel here. There was a great spot where Theory does a forward roll into the ring, but Lashley catches him and delivers a military press into a power slam for a near fall. 
Later on, Theory hits one of Lashley's own signature moves, the spear, but then gets cocky and Lashley catches him in the hurt lock for the quick tap out, and we have a new US champion. This was another very surprising outcome, and I'm not sure why they went this route, but I guess it would become clearer later on. My thing is, if they're setting Theory up for a match with Cena at SummerSlam, why give him such a clean loss? Hardly a way to build any momentum for this guy. Sarah Schreiber interviews Liv Morgan and asks when she's thinking about cashing in her briefcase. Liv says she's just enjoying the moment for now. Carmella challenged Bianca Belair up next for the Raw Women's title. This match was okay considering who was in it. I wasn't really expecting much out of it, but Graves had a great line about how if Carmella won, they may choose to renew their wedding vows, and he said Triple H let him know of a great place in Vegas to do that. I thought that was a pretty clever reference. Not really much to say here, the finish is basically Carmella talking trash and then slaps Bianca who retaliates with a forearm knockdown and then immediately hits the KOD for the win. After the match, Carmella yanks Bianca down from the turnbuckles and administers a post-match beatdown. At this point, I'm thinking that Liv would definitely choose to cash in, and I think that was the intended tease, but it didn't happen. The worst part about this for me is that this feud seems to be continuing, and given the outcome, it really has no reason to. But that's WWE logic for you. More is more. The announcers recapped the contract signing of Logan Paul earlier this week, who said he was coming for The Miz. They then announced that Miz will respond tomorrow night on Raw. There was a very weird vignette up next where Alexa Bliss walks into the locker room and finds Lily. She asks Lily where all the merchandise in the locker room came from, and this just turns into a cheesy ad for the new WWE Credit One Visa card. Bliss then opens a gift that Lily supposedly got her, which was a pair of miniature roller skates. This was so lame, and I'm not sure why this needed to be on the show, but it was a perfect illustration of my thoughts on the show thus far. I was worried that my pupils may get stuck in the back of my head, considering all the times I had rolled my eyes by this point. The Usos vs. the Street Profits for the Unified Tag Belts was up next. This match was phenomenal, and probably the lone savior of this show. It definitely brought the crowd back to life. These guys all worked super hard and were given lots of time. The basic story here was the Usos isolating each member of the Prophets in their corner, building to a hot tag to Dawkins who exploded over the ropes with a Tope Conjiro. The announcers kept hinting at rumors that there were problems between Dawkins and Ford, and I hope against hope that they are not considering a breakup here. There is no reason for it, and this is the absolute worst time to do it with a very limited tag division. But as I said, it's WWE, so nothing would surprise me at this point. There was a nice spot where Dawkins shoulder-blocked Jimmy right into a bridging belly-to-back suplex from Ford for a near fall. Montez nearly gets three with a frog splash on Jay, I believe it was, but Jimmy makes the last-minute save. There was a great spot where both teams are struggling to their feet and kind of have a standoff center ring. I really like when they let moments like this breathe. It was great. Eventually, they start brawling and the ref loses control. Dawkins is dumped to the floor and the Usos double-team forward with a double super kick and then the 1D for the clean win. I thought that would be it, but then they show the replay where Ford's left shoulder is clearly off the mat during the pin. If that was a planned spot, which I can't see why it wouldn't be, that was a pretty clever way to continue the feud and I have no problem with it. They air this really cryptic video package for a debuting superstar up next. It kind of looked like something for Bray Wyatt, but everyone has been saying that they're teasing an Edge return. I honestly don't know why they would waste their effort on building to the return of someone who's only been gone for a month instead of using that effort to create a new star, but that's WWE for you. 
Ronda Rousey versus Natalia was up next for the SmackDown women's title. I thought this match was okay. There were some nice grappling sequences in the early going, and these two seemed to have pretty decent chemistry. There was one spot where Ronda seemed to have tweaked her knee on the floor, so Natty kept going after it. She applied the sharpshooter on the ring apron for some reason, and while it looked like a cool visual, I really didn't understand this spot at all. Wouldn't she have to break on five anyway? And why wouldn't she just apply the move in the ring? Anyway, Rousey was able to roll through and kick Natty back first into the post. Natty chased Ronda into the ring and applied the move again, but Rousey counters into a modified armbar for the tap out. Rousey didn't have much time to celebrate though as Liv Morgan's music hit and she came sprinting out to cash in her Money in the Bank briefcase, just adding to the statistic of female Money in the Bank winners who have cashed in in under 24 hours. The way this was going, I fully expected a failed cash-in here as Rousey quickly got Liv in an ankle lock. But Liv was able to kick her way free and schoolboy Rousey to win the title. With a schoolboy. Talk about a credible champion. Wow, I cannot even begin to describe how much I hated this. I'm happy that Liv had her moment, but that's all it is. An isolated moment in time. It's simply just for the highlight reel and nothing more. It certainly will not have any lasting effect, and I think a lot of fans are simply delusional if you think this is going to be anything more than a transitional run. My prediction is she's just keeping the title warm until Charlotte comes back and beats her for it next month, and then Morgan will follow the same pattern as Nikki A.S.H. and Carmella, where her entire run will be completely forgotten, and she won't get anywhere close to that title again. It's so sad to think of what could have been. If only they had the patience, they could have built her up with some strong wins against top talent. Instead, they throw her right into the lion's den when she isn't ready, basically setting her up for failure. It was a classic example of WWE putting the gimmick over and not the performer. This sucked. This is how to not make a star in my opinion. And it would do this company a world of good to learn the difference between an underdog and a fluke. Unfortunately, Liv Morgan now falls into the latter category. On top of that, it did no favors for Ronda Rousey, who is now just another face on the roster. She doesn't have the same marquee value that she once did, and a loss like this and under those circumstances is just a huge blow to her credibility, especially considering that this, this will go down in history as her only singles loss in WWE. This was so pathetic. I'm done talking about it. The men's Money in the Bank match closed out the show, and as decent as this match was, I had already checked out by this point. This is currently beating Royal Rumble for me as frontrunner for worst show of the year. Well, certainly the worst book show of the year. Before the match gets underway, Adam Pearce comes out and says there will be an eighth participant. And then he brings out Theory to fill the final spot with literally no explanation, but the announcers did make reference that this was a call made by Mr. McMahon. I mean, I guess Theory did need something to bounce back with after that puzzling loss to Lashley earlier, but the way this was announced, it basically gave away who was winning the match, so we probably could have ended our night here. Sami Zayn was hilarious in this match. He wore his Bloodline t-shirt throughout, and at one point he was trying to hide behind one of the ring posts to pick his spots. Everyone started ganging up on Omos after he cleaned house in the early going. They first buried him under a bunch of ladders, but when that didn't work, they all lifted him up on their shoulders and powerbombed him through the announce table, and I honestly didn't think they'd even get him up there. Riddle was the star of this match by far. He was delivering a lot of offense out of the Randy Orton playbook, but then executed a tremendous-looking floating bro off the very top of the ladder, crashing down onto all of the opponents in the ring. 
Sheamus was trapped under the ladder at one point, and it looked like Drew had victory well in hand until Butch came running out and jumped on Drew's back. Sheamus then trapped Drew under the ladder, but as he started to climb, Drew pressed the ladder up from underneath him and forced Sheamus to the mat below. I really hate these spots where two guys are fighting in the ring while the rest of the field just kind of disappears. It just looks so awkward and stupid. The end comes where Riddle hits a massive RKO to Seth off the ladder and then climbs back up only to be met by Theory. They brawl for a bit, but Theory gets the better of it and manages to push Riddle off and then Theory claims the men's briefcase as I think anyone with half a brain would have predicted by this point. Yeah, this show just didn't work for me. The booking was incredibly puzzling and a lot of the in-ring wasn't enough to save it. The Street Profits vs. Usos was really good, but the rest of the show fell flat for me. But moving along, there was another event last night. It was UFC 276, so maybe they did a better job of keeping everyone's interest. Let's take a look. The main card opened with a fight between Sean O'Malley and Pedro Munoz. The announcers emphasized that Munoz has yet to be finished inside the octagon, while O'Malley's last five wins were either by knockout or tapout. There was an eye poke to Munoz about midway through the first round, and he complained to the ref about back-to-back -back eye pokes, as O'Malley caught him earlier as well. The announcers kind of suggested that he may be looking for a disqualification, but it didn't go that way. Instead, the contest was thrown out and ruled a no contest due to what they called an unintentional foul. Looking to redeem the outcome of the previous fight, Robbie Lawler and Brian Barberina just engaged in a total slugfest throughout their welterweight encounter. In the end, it was Barberina scoring with some massive shots and getting the eventual TKO with Lawler out on his feet. Sean Strickland faced Alex Pereira up next in middleweight action, and it was Pereira landing a solid left hook out of nowhere for the KO victory, perhaps sending a message to champion Israel Adesanya, who also called out Pereira following his fight. The co-main event was the third bout in the trilogy between featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky and his number one challenger Max Holloway. This was another slugfest, but every bigger shot landed was from Volkanovsky, and one of them opened a huge cut on Holloway. Volkanovski nearly dominated all five rounds and won the unanimous decision, thus denying any possibility of a fourth fight, so it looks like this book is closed. The main event was for the middleweight title, with Israel Adesanya turning back the challenge of Jared Cannonier. It wasn't a particularly exciting fight, as evident by the chorus of boos heard throughout, but perhaps the most entertainment we got out of it was before the fight actually started, as Adesanya went full-on WWE mode with an Undertaker entrance complete with what I hope was a replica urn. I wonder if this was for the benefit of Vince McMahon and company who were in attendance. Whatever it was, he seemed to have the power of the dark side as he was able to win a unanimous decision. So that wraps up the weekend of events and another episode of the Royal Ramble. I'll be back next week and may not be alone, so stay tuned. In the meantime, A-B-C-Y-A.